0: our passage of scripture this morning which we read is found in John chapter 5 reading at verse 16 through to verse 27 and our text will be verse 24 to verse 27 and then also reading briefly from John 4 verse 42 While we take up God's word the fifth chapter of John at verse 16 God's infallible and holy word. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because not only he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God then Jesus answered and said to them most assuredly I say to you the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for whatever he does the son also does in like manner for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, <clears throat> even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And now our text, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word, And believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority." to execute judgment also because he is the son of man and then turning briefly back to John 4 verse 42 the narrative there of Jesus who had met the woman at Jacob's well the woman of Samaria and had of course um, brought life and healing to her life. Then, that is to say, the villagers in the town where she lived, then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, uh, the Savior of the world. So far we read from God's holy word. dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are so privileged to have the gospel, uh, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Through him, God was revealing all of his love and all of his grace and his mercy for the saving of many. He revealed his love in Jesus Christ. And so, a vital part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was simply to reveal himself as well that the Jews would know who he really was and what he really came to do and also to have those Gospels that have been written for our sake so that God would reveal Christ in them to us as well that we also would know who he is and what he has done and why we must believe in this blessed Lord Jesus Christ For you see, the question had been since our Lord began His ministry as He said to His disciples, who do men say that I am? And the question comes to each of us as well for the sake of salvation. Who do men say that I am? And we too need to give the correct answer with conviction and of necessity for our salvation. For after all, congregation, when Jesus first began his ministry he was but a lowly man he, he was but thirty years of old what does a thirty-year-old man really know and then he came from Nazareth of all places and from the region of Galilee no place to come from and furthermore he was a carpenter he also had no ministerial experience he had no formal education Yea, the question who do men say that I am he was no hero no Messiah as far as the Jews were concerned he simply did not have the credentials and we need to make up our minds about him too well let's take a look and dive into our text and let us see what we see what do we learn here well there we see Jesus busy he's revealing himself he's revealing himself as a judge and as the savior of the world i've chosen first to look at how jesus christ reveals himself as a judge our theme he reveals himself or sorry our first point is he reveals himself as the son of man the judge of all men now this must have been an astonishing revelation for the jews for you know what the jews had been so busy judging Jesus Christ. And yet all the while he was judging them. So the question, who's supposed to judge whom? They had been protesting the working of Jesus on the Sabbath day. That he had healed a man who'd been lame for about 38 years. They had judged Jesus to be guilty of breaking the Sabbath. They had judged Jesus of guilty of saying that God was his Father and of making himself therefore equal with God. As if to say Jesus had many strikes against him right from the outset. And so they needed to hear with their ears and hearts. They needed to hear the words of Jesus from our text. Verse 24, most assuredly I say to you. And that means in the, old te- in the old King James, verily, verily I say unto thee, Assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Jesus is talking about judgment. Shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. See here how Jesus is the one who determines who will have everlasting life. And who will come into judgment, yes or no? Jesus is re- revealing himself as a judge of all men. And Jesus has this authority and this a place, not as something he took to himself, but something that was given to him by his Father. Notice verse, verses, uh, verses uh, 26 and 7. But as, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Congregation, Jesus Christ, he knew and he judges the hearts of men. For example, if we go back to John chapter 3, Jesus meets one of the leaders of the Pharisees and Nicodemus by name. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again if you wish to enter the kingdom of God. That was a judgment call that God, that Jesus made uh, to Nicodemus. Or let's go to chapter 4 where Jesus meets that Samaritan woman by the well of Jacob. And he tells her, you already have had five husbands. And the man that you are living with right now, he's not even your husband. Jesus makes a definitive judgment call about her. He looked into her heart and he makes a judgment call and he says to her, you need living water and I am he. Or if we go to John chapter 5, there having healed a man who had been lame for so many years, he tells him, now you go and sin no more lest the worst thing happens to you. Another judgment call Jesus makes. See how he spoke with authority see how he admonished with love and how he judged in righteousness to the Jews he said most assuredly I say to you he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death into life see how Jesus sets the criteria for judgment he determines who will be found out guilty and condemned and him who will be found out righteous and be saved he determines who is worthy of punishment and who is not and this of Jesus Christ no less and I say that because heretofore the Jews had only ever recognized and known that God in heaven was a judge of all men They would have remembered the words in Genesis 18 when Abraham said, Oh God, you are the judge of all the earth. And the Jews would have readily agreed with that statement. And they knew how God in heaven had judged the ancient Egyptians and how he had judged the Canaanites and the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And that all made them very, very happy because Israel was not being judged. See how they always believed God alone had the prerogative to judge anybody and now here comes another one in their midst and he's talking about judgment himself as if it belongs to him. He makes himself equal to God. He says God is even his father. How can this be, congregation? And so Jesus says most assuredly as if to say please be absolutely sure There can be no doubt about it. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Christ has the right to judge. And that person has passed from death unto life. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we we can't help but think how astonished the jews must have been must we hear you jesus of nazareth are you really our judge you mean to say you're the one who determines you determine who enters the kingdom of heaven you're going to judge my heart you're going to judge my life Yes, yes, yes to all of those questions. Jesus Christ is a judge of all men. Congregation, he knows everything that you've ever done. He knows all the foul thoughts you've ever thought in your life. Talk about a pile of foul thoughts. He is the one who judges all religions. And he says they're all false, they're all lies. And all that they contain is idols and idolatry. Those are the things that will destroy you. He determines how all men will be saved. He determines how all men will be condemned. You see, congregation with Jesus Christ, we have to do. Both now, but also in that great day of the Lord. Oh, none of us likes to be judged, but please get this. Jesus Christ is your judge even though he comes from lowly Nazareth, even though he spoke as but a very young man, and therefore showing himself here to be the judge of all men. That authority has been assigned to Jesus. We read at verse 26 now and 7 where we read, for as the Father has life in himself, Jesus says, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Here's the reason Jesus is able to judge and must judge because, he says, I am the Son of Man. There was an interesting new title now, the Son of Man. The Jews had a fairly good idea of what that title meant. It definitely had Messianic overtones to it. They all knew about the coming son of David, that he would be the Messiah. Yes, we would say he would, he would be a son among men, but indeed a very great one, even the son of David, that they knew. He would be the, a son of man far superior to all other men, appointed by God to a holy office, to be Israel's king and to receive a kingdom after David's own fame for Israel's sake to secure Israel's glory. Why? Because he himself would be so glorious. He would be the son of David. The son, yes. Even though of a man. And so Jesus also takes up that title by his own divine intuition Is the most common way that Jesus ever spoke of himself. He takes upon himself this title of distinction as declaring himself to be the Son of Man. A title of honor, congregation, a title of majesty, a title of power, a title of authority, a title of divinity, of divinity. Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he is granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because, because he is the son of man. Notice how Jesus calls himself the son of man in verse 27 and that follows right after in verse 26 speaking of the fact that he is like his father having life in himself as the father has life in himself and therefore notice how the father thus calls him the son in verse 26 and so here we have the son of man in verse 27 declared to be the son in verse 26 and and 5 as the son of and by the father and so both titles reveal Jesus divine being and glory so the point is absolutely sure that he therefore must be the judge of all men too because as the son he came from one place he came from heaven above He is is from above. And yet, he's of man too, lowly, and of the earth. And so Jesus must say, to kind of cut through all the confusion and the doubts and the ignorance, he must say that the Father has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of, of man and there you have it congregation here he is revealed to you as a portrait within scripture declaring one person righteous unto salvation and another person guilty unto condemnation he says so in effect reigning from his throne in heaven now here's the thing what a far cry this was ...from what was current in the years preceding the Protestant Reformation... Reformation, ...where it was the Pope who sat upon a kingly throne in Rome. And he ruled from there as the head of the church... ...reigning in glorious earthly majesty no less... ...and even crowned with a crown. And him ruling there from Rome over the whole church upon the earth... And reigning together with all the priestly orders that were beneath him in that hierarchy. And so with cardinals and archbishops and bishops to the lowly priest. Ruling as judges and as determiners of man's salvation. Whether unto condemnation or unto glory. Talk about a a usurping of the reign and the authority of Christ himself. And so, the Word of God had to be uncovered, opened up, and to be preached in all its truth to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Son of Man who reigns gloriously at His Father's right hand having been given the majesty of a threefold office to be our only prophet, our great high priest, and our eternal king, if one does the reigning congregation, it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of Man over all men. And to be sure, as we see here first, as the judge of all men, because he is the Son of Man. What a thing we need to have straight in our heads and in our minds to be ready to meet our judge and by God's grace we surely can meet him, congregation, because was he not judged for our sake, he himself who was our judge, that we would appear righteous in God's sight through his wonderful blessed sacrifice on the cross for our salvation so that he would be able to reveal himself not merely as the Son of Man, the judge of all men, but as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And this we see secondly, that Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Now, again, if it was shocking for the Jews to hear that Jesus was the Son of Man, the judge of all men, it was equally shocking for them to hear that He was the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And yet, that's exactly what we read back in chapter 4, how these highfalutin, highly educated Jews had to learn from the common village folk of, of Samaria, where that woman came from, who Jesus had met and brought the gospel. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because... Of what you had said, they sure had, she sure had testified rightly of Jesus, nothing to be taken away from that. But they say, now we ourselves have heard him. There's that word here. We have heard him and we know this indeed that he is indeed the Christ, Messiah, son of David, it means the Christ and the Savior of the world. Oh, brothers and sisters, if we would only know Jesus as our judge and not our Savior, that would be a truth too horrible to contemplate. But he is our Savior too, dearly beloved of the Lord, for he is the Son of God. He not only sets the criteria for judgment, but also the criteria for salvation And it, of course, has absolutely nothing to do about what we could do, but it is of everything that is found in Christ, both who He is and what He has done. And so long before He came to the cross, this was His cry, if you will, please hear me, listen to me. And that is how, of course, He began to speak in chapter 5 at 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he hears my word and believes him who sent me. The implication is every word that Jesus spoke and preached had everything to do with what his father sent him to do and to be and to teach. Jesus Christ had His Father's mind within Himself perfectly. He had His Father's knowledge. He had His Father's understanding, His Father's wisdom. And He did His Father's will to obtain your salvation for you and for all the world. And so these profound words, most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Every word that Jesus spoke, congregation expresses the Father's will. So that if you do not believe what Jesus says, you are directly opposing the Father who sent him, and that means you're in big trouble. Life and death is in the balance here. To your peril, you would not believe everything that Jesus says you see the father sent him for this purpose and so you do not if you do not confess Jesus Christ is the son of God because there's just too much stuff that he says you don't quite agree with or want to hear well then you have no share in the blessings that God the father will give to you that he has determined to be sent through his son for you see, as the Father is the giver of life, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Why is that so important? Because if we are going to get ever, everlasting life, it has to come from one person, one source, one man. The one who has the life can only be the one who, of course, gives it. And in fact, the Father gives us life only through his Son. And so he who believes in the Father must believe in the Son whom he sent. Both are essential to our life. And that was a problem of the Jews. They readily believed in God the Father, but not in Jesus Christ, his Son. And so verse 24 is intended to also validate the Son and to show that he has the authority and that he can be the Savior when he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, Jesus here is vindicating, validating himself, who sent me and has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Congregation, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ truly is to have actually passed from death into life. You know, so often we use the phrase in our earthly life here, we, we speak of life and death, life and death, life and death. But the gospel says death and life, death and life, death and life. He who believes in the Father who sent me, he who believes in me, Jesus says is passed from death to life and that life we have not some time in the future but right now brothers and sisters now we have passed from death to life unto everlasting life Jesus says notice Jesus doesn't say will will receive will be passed he who has sent me has he doesn't say he who has will have temporary life but everlasting life a gift from the father And this gift, of course, is not at all of our human works or deeds. As the Roman Catholic Church taught in the days of the Reformation and even up until today, our salvation to everlasting life is not from receiving the sacraments from the priests and to gain a slight grasp of salvation, which they teach can still be lost, That's what Rome taught and it still does to this day. Making the priests, the dispensers and the distributors of an unsure divine grace. And they proclaimed therefore no sincere promise of salvation by repentance unto God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. They spoke of no certainty from God's word that we can depend upon and be assured of unto salvation. They preach from the hilltops no words like we'd find in verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. There's no talk about purgatory here, is there? None of that nonsense. But he has passed from death into life. And also verse 24, 25 Surely I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. There's no talk here of a priest that you have to go to to confess your sins and if you do these particular acts of penance you may have a greater assurance although that even was a word they hated to use but we have words congregation that ring clear as crystal clear as can be most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live there's no confusion here brothers and sisters there's no doubt but there's certainty from God's Word and there's sincerity in the promises spoken by Jesus Christ. He says again with that convicting, most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. You too hear the voice of the Son of God? You to hear that though you are dead, yet hearing his voice you shall live? You hear my words, says Jesus, and you believe on me and him who sent me, and you will not come into judgment, for you have passed from death to life? Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, of course. To be sure, we begin with this. I'm dead. I was born dead in my sin. But by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, those who hear his voice, they shall live. By the divine power of the Spirit, they shall live. Congregation, what is hearing the voice of Jesus it simply means believing all the words he spoke. They ring loud and clear and true as if he was standing before you today and you too were back in John 5. You heard these same words from his mouth. No deference. With the same clarity, the same completeness, the same authority, the same truthfulness. Hearing the voice of Jesus Christ simply means believing Jesus is the Son of God and the Father who sent Him with a childlike faith. A faith, in effect, that doesn't ask any questions but simply trusts God's Word as it is. They have passed from death into everlasting life brothers and sisters the hour has come and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear they shall live now is the day to hear congregation Now is the day to live with Christ, for our Lord Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Amen.